Spags, it's been a while since we have drafted a team together. The people want that plus EV streamer equity. We have to give it to them today. I mean, if you are watching this stream right now, you're going to find out a whole lot about what to do on Best Ball Superflex over at Underdog, where you can play QBs, multiple QBs at any given time. We're going to dig into that one, find out what the best strategy is. We're also going to talk about this big Tyreek Hill trade coming out of nowhere, where their tea leaves to be red. We'll talk about that as well as what it means for the Chiefs and the Dolphins. And of course, on the title, you can see the sneakiest free agents and what that means for fantasy. We're going to hit that right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, how are you doing? I, I, it's tax season is what we were talking about before the show. Yeah, um, you know, not doing great on that front. But you guys in the chat are the wind in my sails. Connor, I mean, we are distracting the heart of Best Ball America right now from the real jobs. Connor says, Pete and Spags, once again, saving me from having to actually work during the day. Chris G says he took the day off for this. And Dylan, in a rule of threes, classic heightening here, says he quit his job for this. Uh, this is what we do for the people. And Tommy's having a Jimmy John sub during Splash Play, so everybody's crushing right now in the chat, and we appreciate each and every one of you hanging out with us. If you're watching after the fact as well, we appreciate that, but make sure you are subscribed to Pete's channel as well as the Splash Play channel. Helps us out a bunch. And hit that like button. I know it sounds antiquated. You probably hear this on a lot of YouTube videos, but it does help out your favorite creators, and that includes us. So please hit that like button. Help us get seen by a few more people. And make sure to go over to Football Outsiders. We've been covering the offseason really heavily over there. Our guys bringing their analytic approach to everything Thing, all the machinations out there and unlike this show they're talking about offensive linemen edge rushers all the important stuff you might want that can actually give you an edge in what you're doing for all of your football out uh, bets you know, lineups fantasy whatever you're doing out there so go footballoutsiders.com and check out footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for some cheap packages on how to get in there and get all the football outsiders data into your life but let's talk about this Tyreek Hill thing Pete because it is a big one and shout out to Nick Bird in the chat by the way complimenting me on baby Lucas presence on Instagram Pete I don't know if you've been seeing this I don't know if you've been getting these out algorithmically served to you my baby is fucking adorable and it's been officially confirmed uh spags i will i will agree with you i saw the photo where you were tilting that he's already better and more photogenic than you on instagram and i will be honest like i i, I feel like there's generally for most baby there's like a threshold um i don't know maybe three four months old where you can start to be like okay this is a cute baby like a lot of just like pure infants i don't find cute I legitimately found your child, Luca, smiling, uh, extremely cute. So, uh, you know, congratulations on being ahead of that or on the right side of that bell curve. If I ever could win over Pete's icy heart, then you'll know that, uh, Peter, you getting baby crazy here. Are you and Lauren, maybe going back to the lab after seeing these cute Instagrams and also quality engagement on all of my platforms. Um, no comment at this time. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a hard no everybody so keep sure to uh, keep watching this show maybe we'll find some fun details from pete coming up here but it's honestly been a lot of fun i'm a little bit sleep deprived today but mostly because i couldn't get to sleep myself but little luca's sleeping pretty well so i've been 
functional for the most part. And that bodes well for this show today, where we got to talk about some real football stuff, Pete. This Tyreek Hill trade literally out of left field. I did not see a single report leading up to this. All of a sudden in the afternoon, Tyreek Hill headed to Miami. The reports are he asked for a pay bump after Devontae Adams trade, resulted in him getting an NHL, uh, an NHL, an NHL, well, definitely an <laughs> NHL high contract, but also an NFL high contract for himself. The Chiefs wouldn't hit Tyreek Hill's price tag. And I guess the first question I'd ask you, Pete, if you get this situation with Tyreek Hill, if he comes to you and says, hey, Devontae Adams got traded, we all know I'm as good as Devontae. I just don't get fed the ball as much in this offense. Do you pay him if you're Kansas City? Um, it's it's really tough. And I think the reason why it's hard to say, like, oh, one team won this trade, one team didn't, is because it depends on what time horizon you're looking on. You know, I think you could argue and say, hey, the Chiefs Super Bowl window is still firmly open right now and that they can easily be in that conversation losing Tyree kill, you know, uh, takes a ding to that. On the other hand, you have, you know, Mahomes signed to a half a billion dollar contract. You are playing a longer game here with Mahomes' career, and you're getting a little long in the teeth with your top skill position players in, in Tyreek and Kelsey. So I kind of like this move for them as far as a retool on the fly. I heard Sean Siegel over on the Great Stealing Bananas podcast with our buddy Ben Gretsch say that he likened to it, likened it to a dynasty trade where you kind of sell the top on a premium asset and reload with a ton of of other assets, and in this case, cap space, and a bunch of draft picks. So I kind of like it for the long-term Chiefs, even though I think for this year, it really hurts them. They're heading into a really tough AFC West conference. It's going to be really hard to get out of that you know, division, much less the conference. So I think it's tough to unpack, but ultimately, I think I like this deal for them. It's a really big question of what matters more, the pass catcher, the guy throwing the ball. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is about as elite as you could possibly find, and he has been for the last few years, despite whatever the results have been in terms of actually uh, winning a championship last year. But Tyreek certainly has been a guy that can get into space, get open, can make the most out of every play. I do agree with you, though. Like I think that the Chiefs saw what they had with Tyreek, think that Mahomes is good enough to make some other guys pad their stats. You have McCole Hardman there, who we've talked about a lot on this show, really across the fantasy industry overall, who does a lot with what Tyreek does. You're going to have him in tow. Maybe you could bump his numbers up. Just feed him the ball like you did Tyreek. You have some younger guys as well that you'll probably pick up in the draft. And you also have Josh Gordon, who you know I know has been out of the league, in and out of the league, and he is still going to be on this roster, it looks like. And he's a guy that maybe if the reclamation project does work out, he gets some time in this offense. Uh, there's some rumors as well, Pete. I don't know if you saw this one on Twitter. Uh, LaVisca, apparently they've been inquiring about him going there, which would be pretty crazy as well. There's just a lot of ways to skin the cat of getting you know decent value in. And now you have a really good ju uh, Juju Smith-Schuster possession receiver in the mix, a guy who can get this underneath targets where maybe you don't even need that role to be there. There's just a lot of ways they could do it here. And I'm with you. Like, it's tough to say. I love Tyreek, uh, not as a human being, but certainly as a player. And I think for Kansas City, like, they made the right move, and there's a lot of ways that they can get that production from somewhere else. Yeah, and they did just sign uh, MVS yesterday right. as well. So that's kind of another big thing there for them. And, you know, I think maybe we do see kind of a shift in the offense as far as it being more spread around, whereas we had a super condensed target tree with Tyreek and Kelsey in this in this past year specifically. You see probably more deep shots mixed into Hardman and MBS, more under, underneath stuff mixed in with uh Juju and Tyree or uh and Travis Kelsey. And then like you said, I, I think it's a lock that they draft 
someone as well. And I guess then the question is, is just how good does that prospect end up being? Can he kind of emerge into, you know, an alpha role or is he just going to be, you know, part of the weaponry there? But I do think it's going to be a very different uh, Chiefs offense than we've we've seen for a while here. Yeah, and I think if they get that young guy in and hopefully he signs his contract early enough, whoever this guy may be that they end up drafting or if they draft multiple guys and you hear the reports, this guy signed his contract, he's in camp, he's building the rapport. I think maybe you can kind of ding down McCole Hardman and give whatever that rookie is a little bit of a bump. Uh, but I think if you see these guys coming in a little bit later in camp and you hear about the reports of McColl's out there running with the first team, doing all that stuff, or Josh Gordon somehow, or 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 MVS, like I think DFS-wise, thinking about how a week one would go, you end up seeing Juju Smith-Schuster, if I had to guess, probably around like... Like 6k that first week you know travis kelsey gonna be in that 7 to 8k range and, and then you'll have like an mbs or or a gordon or a hardman at like 3k and i think that's sort of or 3k range rather like that's the kind of move that could end up being big and, and mbs we know pete is a guy who really can blow up the top off of an offense or or a defense rather in a merely meaningful way yeah, I know. I mean, MBS was getting a ton of buzz last preseason. I remember, you know, we always joke about the best shape of their life, best camp of their life, but the drum beat, as, uh, as the fantasy thought leaders say, was pretty strong on him. And a lot of people think if he wasn't as banged up as he was, that he was on his way to a massive year. So, um, you know, pretty nice run out there for Valdez Scantling. It reminds me of when Brandon Cooks, you know, bounced around. He had Drew Brees, had Tom Brady as his quarterbacks before his streak ended there on the Texans. But MBS going from Rodgers to Mahomes, um, he's never going to be able to play for another quarterback uh, and not be disappointed after that back-to-back -back crew. And the trade for Kansas City yields 2022 first round pick, which will be towards the end of the draft, of course, before the Chiefs were or with, with where Miami's pick was uh, number 29, second round pick for them as well. Number 50, fourth round pick, plus fourth and sixth rounders in next year's draft going to the Chiefs way. Uh, we got to talk quickly, though, Pete, there were reports here and um, I don't know who leaked it out. I guess it was probably the Jets just showing that they were trying to do something. But the reports were that the Chiefs would have taken the Jets trade, which didn't include a first rounder, but did include more second and third round capital. And I think that's one, Pete, that I could see why if you're Tyreek Hill, you don't want to go to the Jets, but that would have been a game changer for Zach Wilson, who needs a probably one more really strong target to go with an emerging Elijah Moore. And I feel like in this spot, I get why Tyreek doesn't go to the Jets, but boy, if he went there, that team would be really live. Did Spags just freeze on you guys or just me? Oh, I think you're back now. Oh, my back. Oh, that was weird. I didn't, I yeah. didn't see anything drop off at all. <laughs> uh, you just, your feet, your uh, face froze for a sec. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would... I know people are down on Tua, but I still think there's less variance as far as what, you know, Tyreek Hill, if he's looking at that trade too, thinking, you know, I'd much rather play with Tua, I guess, than Zach Wilson, even though I think you can argue that there's still room for Zach Wilson to improve. You know, he has the tools to be a good quarterback. We just didn't see a ton of it. But yeah, I do not blame him for going down uh, to Miami there, although kind of analogous of as far as going and pairing up with Jalen Waddell and going and pairing up with Elijah Moore. I think both of those better prospects from that class. But yes, I think for everyone involved for fantasy, um, this was the better landing spot. Tyreek Hill did get paid $120 million on that contract, four years, $72.2 million. And he also gets $52.5 million in signing. So that is a nice number there. Go in Tyreek's way. Um, and the Dolphins, Pete, you talked about it briefly there with Jalen Waddell. I do think if you're Cedric Wilson, and or if you're also somebody out there who drafted Cedric Wilson in best ball, thinking, oh, he's going to you know be paired with Devontae Parker or whoever else is left, Preston Williams, um, and get you know a good amount of targets, I think you got to have a lot less hope for that, especially if this Miami offense doesn't resemble what Mike McDaniel 
McDaniel did in San Francisco. But I think in the spot, Pete, like it's going to be a good fantasy offense. You know, Tyreek's going to get there. I just have a little bit less faith than any of these Dolphins pieces where if it's Parker, if it's Preston Williams, if it's Kosicki, like their DFS plays for sure. But if you're drafting them for best ball, unless you're getting that full stack, I don't know how you have a ton of faith in this Dolphins offense because it seems like a lot of what they want to do is just kind of mitigate the risk that comes with Tua and how he's played the last few years. Yeah, we were kind of talking about where we think their ADPs might settle on ship chasing the other night. And I do think it's a situation where I don't think I'm going to be wanting to go out of my way to stack both Waddle and Tyreek with Tua. Um, I feel like cost adjusted, you're just paying a lot uh, for that production. So I'm at least initially, I think if I'm trying to stack up the dolphins, which I'll definitely be trying in some instances, it will be with one of waddle in Tyreek with Tua, and then tack on a Gasicki and then maybe another flyer, uh, wide receiver there. But yeah, it's not like the cowboy situation last year where I would be happy to get CD lamb and Amari Cooper, you know, at the two, three turn stacked up with Dak. So I do think it's a different situation. And I find it unlikely that both Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle could have, you know, top 12, top 15 seasons together. Is it within the range of outcomes? Sure, but I think unlikely. And so I think I'm probably going to be picking and choosing in those drafts and not going out of my way to kind of stack up the full premium Dolphins pass catchers. It all seems like Chris talking about George Pickens, maybe some people wanting him in the Chiefs world. And I guess there are rumors out there that uh, our pal Pat Crane, of course, who does the ship chasing show with Pete, lots of great work over at NBC Sports Edge as well. Uh, rumors that they signed Ronald Jones over in Kansas City. He was visiting yesterday, and that was confirmed by a lot of reporters out there. Um, really, the Chiefs reloading in an interesting way, but one that it feels like overall, Pete, really going to be hard to surmise that first week here for Kansas City if they do have a Ronald Jones in tow, in addition to all these wide receiver changes. Yeah, I was just, I uh, I mean, I knew he was visiting. I was trying to Twitter search right here to see if there's any confirmation. I don't know how reliable Chiefs core is. Uh, probably not that reliable with 1,700 followers, but uh, agreed to terms here. Um, Chiefs focus coming in the mention saying, yes, it was on our show last night. Um, so who knows? All these uh, Chiefs microblogs battling it out for credit on the Ronald Jones signing. Good for them, though. Hitting, I'm yeah. sure reporting it out really hard. They're putting on their little fedoras that say <laughs> press on it, going out there to find out the good news about Ronald Jones potentially. But honestly, this is the one way, though, where Pat digging his heels in on Rojo could actually pay off finally after all these years. <laughs> you know what? You you mentioned uh, fedora, and that yeah. reminds me, uh, our buddy Cody Main over at ETR, which uh, shout out to Cody, just got a full-time job as the uh, the director of Niche Sports for ETR. And he has been just pumping out a steady stream of USFL tweets. Uh, so if, if you're looking for all these uh, updates, but he dug up this old tweet about Larry Fedora that I'll pull up now from September 17th, 2013. It says, Fedora just said he drinks nine Red Bulls a day during football season. I don't think that's possible. I just love that this nugget confirms everything that we were learning about Larry Fedora via Google imaging him. I mean, does that not look like a guy that just smashes Red Bulls? That explains why he was in such good shape because he's coursing <laughs> pure caffeine through his bloodstream at any minute of the day. The metabolism got to take a jump there. But yes, this is the official podcast of the New Orleans Breakers. So we're excited for Larry Fedora, excited for this news. And and I honestly have seen some positive buzz about Kyle Sloter, though. It seems like the Philly team is the one. And we're going to dig more in the USFL coming up. I know actually uh, Cody had said he wants to do the show as well to come on here. And we're glad to pick Cody's brain after he helped us. As well as a lot of you guys out there win some money during the Pro Bowl. 
Um, I think there's an interesting, interesting couple teams here at the USFL, probably a bit of a week one, week two edge that you can find out there. Uh, but Larry Fedora, clearly the edge is just mainlining energy drinks like a like a white trash kid in the Midwest. <laughs> Uh, I'll also give a shout out. I've, I'm working on a USFL video, uh, and I've been using, uh, some of the articles by Brian Knowles over at football outsiders. Oh. He's been doing uh team previews. He had that big kind of overall USFL preview, uh, incredibly comprehensive reviews, even more comprehensive than I need for my purposes. Uh, but man, he's, uh, leaving no stern, uh, stone unturned over there. It's under the, the ramblings tag. I'm like, when is football outsiders going to get us a, a USFL tag for the site? But right now you have to go under the very generic ramblings to find this. Honestly, I'm glad that you're saying that, Pete, because I, Brian, you know, certainly is a guy that's been grinding here. We had him tasked uh, through our editor in chief, Aaron. I was like, hey, can we get somebody to do USFL? And Brian initially was like, I don't know how to cover this. And I sent him an athletic article and was like, look, here's what they're doing. Just dig into it, dude. Like, put on your, your information gathering hat. And he has been doing a really good job. Like, he's finding niche things about these, you know, third string wide receivers in the NFL who are on rosters, pointing them out. Like, I think it's worth reading through his team by team previews over on Football Outsiders. So I'm glad Pete brought that up. And I'm glad I didn't even tell you about that. So that's actually, completely organic on your end. Yeah. And you know, uh, I am on the football outsiders payroll. So even sure. I have to pump the bags every once in a while. All right. Anything else about this trade or is it time to hit the 10 stinkiest free agency moves, Pete? Because you know, we got to do a little bit of a listicle work here in the off season to make this all count. Yeah. I don't know if I can get to 10. I definitely have three to four that I was flagging before the show. And the goal with these two, obviously the Tyreek Hills, the Devonte Adams moves of the world. Everyone knows about them. All of the ramifications have been discussed ad nauseum. We're trying to dig a little deeper. The stuff that on the surface might not seem that impactful, but could ultimately have a lot of sway on fantasy production and ADPs. And so I'm going to let you go with yours first, because I put together a bunch of them just in case you didn't feel like you had enough. And um, and I figured we could debate if they actually are sneaky or not. But I'm curious to have you set the bar first, because some of mine, I feel like you'll go like, that's not sneaky. And I'm going to feel like an asshole. So I'll let you go first. All right. I'm going to go really sneaky, almost boring sneaky. Uh and there's a little thematic through line here. I'm going to do uh, two pass catching running backs that re-signed with their teams, James White and JD McKissick. And I think this is specifically relevant for best ball. Um, those are the type of players I often like to mix in to my running back groups when I'm drafting specifically zero RB or anchor RB teams, just knowing that they give you that high floor baseline production when you're trying to let the chaos of the season catch up and then let the breakouts and the handcuffs really run loose. And those type of players did not hit by and large last year. Naheem Hines was another one that didn't hit some of the rookies we were chasing like Darrington Evans as pass catchers. Those guys didn't hit. And so I'm not ready to kind of throw the baby out with the 2021 bathwater in that regard. And I do think what the teams have kind of told us with getting those signings back is pretty important. And I think both those guys could be set for, you know, back, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for bounce back years. I mean, James white in particular, because the team brought in Leonard Fournette, uh, to interview him, which I thought was really weird considering that Damian Harris and Ramondre are really good interior runners. And I don't necessarily know, uh, that they need Leonard Fournette in that capacity, but 
they could have used him as a pass catcher and they were really hampered last year when James White went down, they were trying to use Brandon Bolden, not that effective. So to me, it says the team really does want to prioritize a pass catching back. They don't get Fournette, but they re-signed James White. I think we can see a, a really big year from him. Mac Jones taking a leap, more checkdowns, more competence in that offense. So I'm ready to get back on the James White train and same with JD McKissick, right? When everyone fell back in love with Antonio Gibson, um, we're right back to where we were, which is JD McKissick being a very relevant part of their offense. So I think those two moves are a little sneaky. And if people have kind of written those two guys off, um, I think it's time to bring them back into your player pool. Yeah, the kind of guys like you're talking about for best ball where they can just have those 10 catch days or, you know, eight to 10 catch days out of nowhere just because the game script kind of has that worked out or or just, you know, the way that the team is scheming to get things done. So I'm with you on that. I think James White comes to a little more risk just because we do have a Ty Montgomery in the room too. I think, yeah, we could see more pass catching work for Ramondre Stevenson and White coming off the injury at his age. You know, you never know at this point how that can go. Um, but I th I'm with you, like conceptually, I think that pass catching running backs being back where they are in an offense where they have been relied on as safety blankets for a while, both those guys i think certainly makes a lot of sense so pete here's where i think you're going to draw the line of sneakiness marcus mariota atlanta uh at his price tag are we going to say that sneaky because it did kind of come in under the wire monday during the show we did get that news and i feel like in this spot i still think the falcons take a qb in their first round pick where they have that i think eighth overall pick but in this spot i feel like marcus mariota getting a chance here has some at least one defined target in kyle pitts we'll see what else they get in the draft or elsewhere but i feel like mariota in this spot a running qb a guy who was really good and Limited snaps for the Raiders last year being used mostly as a gimmick guy, but we know he could run. We know we can throw the ball. We know he does have that pedigree. Like if he is going to reclaim his career, it probably is here in Atlanta. Yeah, I, um, you're in the clear on this one. I debated including Mariota. He wasn't quite sneaky enough for my taste, but he wasn't, he's not aggressively unsneaky in a way that I would make fun of you for that pick. And I think there's uncertainty to how this shakes out. Um, you know, it seems likely that he heads into the season as their starter, but there's still a lot that could happen. Who knows if they end up getting eyes for someone in the draft, but yeah, I think this could have ramifications for how they run their entire offense. We were talking on ship chasing the other night too, that, you know, this might be an ideal spot for one of these good running backs in this draft class. Say you get a Brees Hall in there, then all of a sudden you're running some of those college concepts, the read option there with, with Mariota in this team, it could be a little fun. For fantasy, I saw a quote from Mariota the other day saying uh, that his time in Las Vegas was a nice reset on his career. So maybe we're getting some zen-like, refreshed Marcus Mariota heading into this season, and he delivers on kind of the promise that he had as a, as a draft prospect. Yeah, so, okay, I'm glad that fit the sneakiness. I'll throw one back at you before you can take one more guy off the board. Deonta Foreman to Carolina, I think, is going to be an interesting one. Um, we've had some rumors going out there. And Christian McCaffrey's on the block. We know they have Chuba Hubbard. They did lose Amir Abdullah in this offseason going to the Raiders, but still a spot where you think Deonta Foreman, a guy who is kind of built like that bell cow back, we saw him fill that role with Derrick Henry out down the stretch for the Titans last year. And I think in this spot, it's one of those signings that you just don't see it happen. Deonta Foreman's moved around the league the last few years after being a guy that was pretty hyped up as a Texans running back. But in this spot, Pete, I feel like Deonta Foreman, to me, it says like what the Panthers are doing was preparing for anything. I think there's a really decent chance. I don't know who they would send McCaffrey to at this point. I think there's a chance that trade happens before the draft or at the draft. I feel like if that's the case, Deonta Foreman could end up being a, a 15 to 20 touch back somehow, you know, depending how they approach Chuba this year. I feel like for the Panthers, like they need something and Deonta Foreman is in fact something. Yeah. And I think the only thing that, uh, 
is makes it hard for me to get excited about Deonta Foreman. And I was drafting him a lot. And I, I think even in some of our teams that we drafted on here, pre-free agency, like he was one of my favorite kind of late round running back flyers. I think it's just a little hard because you do wonder if McCaffrey goes down, let's assume McCaffrey stays in Carolina. Um, how muddied that split would be with, with Chuba or if Chuba is just completely fallen out of favor with the offense and we would see Foreman kind of step in as the one for one replacement. Obviously his skill set is different than McCaffrey, but I guess my, my point is that I feel like as a handcuff, it's maybe a little bit more muddled. Um, but we also saw Deontay Foreman in kind of a muddled handcuff situation behind Derrick Henry with Dontrell Hilliard and that crew. So he can certainly produce in that situation. And I think he's still uh, pretty interesting for sure. All right, Pete, give me another sneaky pick here that we can do before we get to our, our super flex best ball draft on underdog. Yeah, I'll do another thematic one, maybe two tight end uh, signings that maybe flew a bit under the mainstream radar, although I'm sure anyone in the chat today, I see all of our best ball thought leaders, this did not sneak past them. But I will say uh, Gerald Everett uh, to the Chargers to play with Justin Herbert, and then CJ Uzoma. Uh, to the Jets. I, I had both of these. Great mind. You had both of these? Yeah. All right. There you go. We're, we're getting sneaky here. I mean, the Gerald Everett one is kind of obvious. I've always been a bit of a Gerald Everett fanboy and kind of been like, oh, he was splitting time with Tyler Higby on the Rams. Oh, now he's in Seattle and he's splitting time with their rotation of, of tight ends. And I think you can make the case. We still don't know. I mean, Jared Cook, undrafted uh, or not undrafted, sorry, unrestricted free agent. I assume the team lets him go. There's lots of Donald Parham fanboys. Maybe you could make the case he's going to be in more of a tight end committee with him. But I think the upside of him kind of playing the majority of the snaps in that offense with Justin Herbert is pretty high. And I like the risk reward of, of drafting him now. And then CJ Ozoma too. He was just really good down the stretch in the playoffs last year with Burrow, Huge downgrade from Burrow to Wilson, but if Wilson makes the leap, I think we saw how much they were kind of targeting and using the tight end in that offense last year without a lot of tight end talent. So I think that could go bode well. He's a huge upgrade on the Ryan Griffin types. And mm -hmm. so those are the two guys, obviously Everett more so than Uzoma, but I think those guys are firmly on the tight end, you know, radar for best ball, I think those are guys I'd be content having as my tight end two to pair with, say, one of those top six or seven tight ends. I'd be willing to roll with those guys um, in that capacity. Yeah, I'm with you on both those guys. And I, I think you made a good point about Everett, certainly a guy who's shown the ability to get the ball downfield as well with the catch and run ability and hasn't really had the best shot. Uh, Uzoma is dating Kay Adams. Is that, is that stock up for CJ Uzoma? <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, this is the exact kind of news item I know Spags will get excited yeah. to discuss here. I had missed this, Silas. You are grinding harder than me. Wow, that's a that's a big one there. Hopefully she's nursing him back to full health. Oh, God, Spags. <laughs> just, you can't just let it sit. You got to leave a little to the imagination for the chat and not fill in the blanks for them. Uh, he'll be nice and healed up. The one thing, the one caveat I would add to the Jets adding Uzoma is that they did add Tyler Conklin as well, who was pretty capable as a Viking side end last year uh, with Irv Smith on the sidelines. Not, you know, not a guy who's going to take a ton of targets away. And I'm with you mostly. Uzoma is the one that uh, I think would have a lot of value. I'm getting chastised in the chat, but I stand by it. If you watch that Good Morning Football, if you don't feel that those vibes for for K Adams, uh, CJ saying it's not true. I, you know, look, if that's one of those. Even if it's not true, if I'm CJ, I go no comment. You know, I just let that <laughs> let that one ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know, this is what we do around here. We spread salacious rumors about 
NFL media people dating players. So here's one that I'm going to follow that up, which does kind of dovetail a little bit. And I'm going and uh, mixing my order up a little bit, but I do think Drew Locke and Noah Fant going to Seattle's kind of interesting. And Drew Locke, I don't know that he ends up starting. I think that's certainly a risk profile there if you are drafting him. There has to be a reason, though, that Seattle asked for him. And we have seen Drew Locke. Something that's always stood out for me is the way that he approaches football has a lot of bootleg Josh Allen to him, where he's like he runs the ball a lot, he throws the ball downfield. There's some inaccuracy. I don't know that Seattle, with what we've seen in the last few years, is the one to get what they want out of him or to get the most out of him, rather. But you have Fant now. You have Lockett. You do have Metcalf. You have real weapons in Seattle that he can go to. If you're ever going to see Drew Locke be useful, I think this is the time. So I feel like him and Noah Fant, if you could stack up Seattle with Drew Locke, I think it's worth the shot. You can see Geno Smith win that job. You can see a rookie come in. I think it does come with that risk profile. But overall, to me, Pete, I think Drew Locke just does the stuff that you want to see a guy do. He just hasn't done it well historically. So again, that's the risk profile. Yeah, I might have to finally put my foot down on this one. I mean, it is a sneaky call to say that it's going to be sneaky, but uh, man, Drew Locke is so bad. You said bootleg. I was trying to think, what are the, the you know, dime store, Walmart version? I don't know if there's a comparison that can actually do Josh Allen justice in that comparison as far as Drew Locke, but I know what like, you're saying. Drew Locke is the jolt cola to Josh Allen's Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think just with, with Locke, there's still... There's so many ways this goes wrong for him specifically. They could draft a QB, uh, Metcalf and Lockett. One or both of them could get traded or moved. You know, this entire offense, you know, is already in a tailspin. And uh, I don't know if it's a situation I want to, you know, hitch my wagon to. Not to mention, I mean, Pete Carroll already with one of the best quarterbacks in the league wanted to run the ball the entire damn game. Think about how much he's going to want to run with Drew Locke as his quarterback. I mean, his job is going to be to stick the ball in Rashad Penny's chest, I think, you know, 95% of the game. Maybe hopefully it's a read option format, so then I'll give Drew Locke a chance. I'll throw in one more to you, Pete, as well. Byron Pringle to the Bears. One of those moves that I think kind of can fall into the radar is Demarcus Robinson leaves the Chiefs as well as the Chiefs bringing all their guys. But I feel like for this, and that is actually a good way to sum up your lock uh, from FF Doom, but I would say in the spot that Byron Pringle in Chicago, to me, makes a lot of sense. Darnell Moody established himself as the deep ball target in that Chicago offense last year. Certainly had uh, as much of a rapport with Justin Fields as anybody had in that overall receiver core. Allen Robinson gone now too, so Moody's going to have to take over some of those routes. And I feel like you can see Pringle work the underneath. He's a guy that in that Chiefs offense, you saw break a lot of slant passes and go deep but i feel like in these kind of and i'm not trying to do the the football game tape watcher thing but in these like dagger kind of concepts where you could send you know pringle underneath and you have mooney up top i feel like there's actually a way here for pringle to be really good i'm not the biggest cole Komet guy so that'd be the one caveat that i would say that other people probably feel differently including a lot of sharp people out there i feel like in the spot though pete pringle's gonna get the snaps you have no Tariq cohen coming back either so it's not like that's gonna be a threat that you can put him in the slot you can put him outside I feel like pringle's got a lot of potential here if this offense does rise to the tide of just getting rid of Matt Nagy. Yeah, uh, I didn't know we had to announce whether we are Cole Komet guys or not, but I, for the record, am a Cole Komet guy. Uh, yeah, I uh, I will say this one's so sneaky that I even forgot about it. Uh, and I do, so that I think that's a pretty good barometer for sneaky signings. And uh, yeah, I think it's pretty interesting with Allen Robinson cleared out of there. You got anybody else you want to add or should I throw one or two more here and then we can go into the draft? Yeah, we need to get drafting. 
All right, so you, you open up the room here, and I'll kind of yeah. close out the segment. Um, just moves that I thought were interesting that I'm just noting. Teddy Bridgewater to Miami, I think, is sneaky just because it is the hedge against Tua being bad or or him not getting Tyreek the ball in the way he wants, the grousing that can happen in that situation. I think that's why Teddy Bridgewater is in tow and certainly can take over that job if we do see Tua falter. I would also throw into the mix David Njoku being franchised in Cleveland is one that um, no Austin Hooper there. Austin Hooper is now going to be a Titan, which is another sneaky move. I think him and Robert Woods going to be slept on. But Njoku, the fact they're willing to pay that price tag, the tight end price tag is actually not uh, an easy one to swallow. But Njoku, we've seen have some upside. He is a monster of a man. He's got that Vernon Davis build where he is just shredded to the gills. I feel like in this spot with Sean Watson, who we know is going to air it out, ball's got to go somewhere. And it's right now looking a lot like it's going to be uh, going to Peoples-Jones, going to Amari Cooper, probably going a lot to Njoku. So that would wrap up my sneaky thoughts. Unless, Pete, Juju to the Chiefs probably not sneaky enough to make the list. That's not sneaky. Maybe it, was, maybe it would have been sneaky. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah, once he was traded, it was it was no longer sneaky. I was screenshotting. Uh, oh, I did get the influencer 101. You love mm-hmm. to see it here. Uh, I haven't gotten to do a bunch of these. The first live Superflex draft I did was on ship chasing on Wednesday. Otherwise, I've just hopped in a few of these slow drafts. And uh, yeah, excited to to feel these out. They're they're definitely a different beast. Historical Anomaly is asking a question here, which a lot of people might be curious about. And I saw a brick rolling out an overlay here. Some of his projects he's been doing with the Chromecast overlays on sites to give you data. Is this is this that we're doing on the screen right now, Pete? Yeah, I'm I'm giving it a, a test drive here. Um, I can explain it in a sec, but let's um let's make our first pick. I haven't had a chance to get Josh Allen yet. I'm I'm happy to grab him here if you're down. Okay. Yeah, that works. Who, who else the- would be in the conversation for you there? Mahomes, I think, would be in the conversation. And for the super flex, where um, there's some interesting tweets that have gone around out there. I saw um, Josh Larkey, I think, over at uh, Roto Underworld put out an interesting tweet analyzing some of the early data from super flex and what it looks like. So if you're confused by why the QBs are going so high, there is a premium here. Of course, you can play QBs in the flex in this format, but also um, there's just a very high likelihood you need to have uh, two QBs pretty frequently in your lineup. So I get Josh Allen. The thing to me that's interesting about Mahomes is that people don't know what that stack is. I think he could still get MVS for a little bit cheaper than you probably should. You're probably getting Juju maybe at an elevated price, but still like that stack, there's a lot of ways to kind of get the Chiefs. So that's why I would go Mahomes maybe at 1-1, but hard to argue with Josh Allen and, and a year that the Bills are really pushing all the chips in the middle to try to win it all. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I like Patrick Mahomes a lot more uh, when he had Tyreek Hill. So I, I don't mind uh, letting him slip there or at least not reaching past Josh Allen where I think everything's really lining up for Josh Allen, both from like a continuity standpoint. Oh, this would have been one of the other sneaky free agent signings I would have mentioned uh, would have been Jamison Crowder. Uh, just because I know what's going to happen, myself included. We all want Isaiah McKenzie to have a bigger role. He's explosive. He's fun. Uh, and yet I think it's far more likely that Crowder's kind of a one-for-one replacement with Cole Beasley in this offense. And yeah, they're going to run a lot of four-wide stuff but uh i think crowder is is probably gonna have a pretty big role um and so i think that could be pretty sneaky and when we're drafting you know josh allen we're always looking for those backdoor stacks last year we had lots of good options there and to kind of have crowder as part of that backdoor stack option i think is is pretty nice 
Another guy too, OJ Howard, like you're kind of leveraging against the high ADP on Dawson Knox if you go his way. And OJ Howard is one of the Bills signings that it, there were honestly a lot of sneaky tight end signings is one thing I observed when going through the list and just trying to figure out who to talk about in the show. But Howard, we know can get downfield. We know if he's been fed targets, he's actually looked pretty good. The issue is he's running up against that Gronkowski time the last few years, Cameron right before that. This year, you know, like let's say Dawson Knox, and obviously we can't predict injuries here. Dawson Knox get hurt and then OJ Howard to get in all those all those snaps that, that Knox was getting last year or those end zone targets, like Howard could be an absolute beast in that same situation. I don't think it's that Knox was some singular talent. So um, I'm with you. Like the Bills do have some interesting stacks here. The issue is that you have to pay that premium for Stefan Diggs then. And I just like, I don't know that I'm buying it after last year. Where I just bought in every single week and he just kind of kicked me in the nuts over and over again. Yeah. And trust me, I mean, I, I've gotten excited about OJ Howard year after year. I was in on him when he came out. Uh, of the draft uh, just because he was had such a fun profile and it just never unlocked for him. Granted, he was always blocked by Cam Cameron Bray and then later Gronk. But uh, I think it's going to be hard for him to emerge even as a one D with Dawson Knox, but you do have the contingent handcuff value. And if Knox were to get hurt, I think Howard could uh, be pretty fun as the lead uh, tight end there in that offense. We're almost on the clock here again. Um, we're going to have two picks here. Um, we could think about, I mean, Diggs is definitely in play to stack up Josh Allen with, and then I think we can go lots of different directions. Um, I don't mind coming away with uh, a stud RB here. The running backs are definitely worth more in this format than they are in the standard formats and wide receivers are worth a little less just with the way the starting lineup requirements like running backs are now on more of an equal foot with not being able to start um one extra than the running backs so we are on the clock here uh i'll put in a vote for Diggs as one of our picks but what do you think for the other one yeah I mean, i'm with you on Diggs. i think that's just one that we got to bite the bullet on um i don't believe in this justin fields adp i'll say that right now silas um, kelsey Kelsey is interesting because you do got to fill that tight end spot, but then we're not correlating. It does feel like we can get Knox at some point um, or, or OJ Howard. Uh, I don't mind taking Najee Harris here. Like it feels like they're going to rely on the run a lot, a lot of checkdowns with whatever they have at QB. So if you like running backs and you're kind of giving them a little more uh, value, this go around, I feel like Najee really good in his rookie year, the jump from rookie to second year, always going to be a good one. So I think it's worth it. Yeah, I don't have a Najee share, I don't think yet, in these Superflex drafts. Um, not my favorite player, but happy to mix him in here. And the big vote of confidence, the fantasy football counselor on his Instagram stories the other day was asked, who is his 101? He said it's the Kinshipsis that is selecting Jonathan Taylor there, but his true 101 is Najee Harris. So anytime we can align ourselves with the counselor's favorite players, I think we're in good shape. How's he doing? Like, I feel like you, you've given up on including him as a regular bit for yourself, but you, it's nice that you just keep tabs with him like an ex that you just want to see do well from afar. Yeah. I, I mean, I used to be a counselor completist, uh, where I would never miss uh, a single piece of content he put out, but now I check in on it. I would say I catch up on his stories maybe once every three to four days. I'll you know, cause he'll do like 15 stories in a single day. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday I checked in on his stories and, and saw he had that hot take. Uh, he also has brought another content creator under his wing, um, the fantasy football Blondie. Uh, I have, I'm not sure uh, their relationship, their arrangement, um, but I am keeping tabs on her as well.
I, I'm sure she's giving a lot of great advice. I'm sure that she loves that branding as well. So good for her, good for the counselor. And uh, the, the love that they have, I'm sure, is either content partners or more than content partners. Um, so Pete, we talked a little bit about the strategy here and the importance of taking multiple QBs. How are you approaching that here? Because we did eschew the QBs. You could see them flying off the board here. Do you believe in the concept of taking your one stud QB and then trying to take a flyer with a lower rung QB that can have some upside? So it's tough. It like in general, I feel just compared to other formats I played in, I've done super flex best ball drafts before super flex dynasty. It does seem like the quarterbacks are being overdrafted. However, everyone's just collectively agreeing to overdraft them. So maybe that's just the new reality for this contest. Um, I'm not sure I can sign off on what NF 42 is doing from the 12 hole here. Not sure I would rip off four straight quarterbacks. But that said, um, unless I'm getting two quarterbacks early, say like uh, Sire is doing here from the four hole Lamar and Brady, then I think with this build, you could get away with three quarterbacks. Um, I feel like we have flexibility for a three quarterback or four quarterback build. And um, it's been tough. Like I was in the fifth round of a draft, a slow draft of these, and I wanted to take T Higgins so bad, but I'm looking at the quarterback tiers and I ended up taking Mac Jones because the starters do dry up really quickly. And I want to make sure that I'm at least getting two starters. And then I think you can backfill with some flyers. Some of the rookies I think are still incredibly good QB values in here, but you don't want to play chicken with quarterback in, in these rooms. I, I got to say, like, I don't mind taking the flyer. Like, you're seeing Trevor Lawrence going in the fourth round is a little bit tough. But, you know, like Matt Ryan, Zach Wilson, boy, Zach Wilson's ADP is up, huh? Um, I do like Zach Wilson as a pick here just because you can sort of identify that stack. Um, I think we should grab other talent first, though. Uh, Kittle, interesting. Uh, I, I, re I do really still um, value getting an elite tight end um, in these drafts. I, I would love to do Kittle in a quarterback, I think. Okay, let's take Kittle first then. Yeah, and then so we'll a take, quarterback. Yeah, so I, I I like your thought too of kind of thinking through other stack options. Um, I took Mac Jones around this area the other day, knowing you have you know Myers and Bourne, although the stacks aren't quite as exciting. Zach Wilson, I don't know if Elijah Moore would fall to us um, coming back. It's a possibility. Um, but yeah, I, I would say Wilson or Mac Jones. Daniel Jones would be in the mix for me too, but I think let's try Zach Wilson because I think we can get we could we, what we could do is basically try to well hopefully Elijah Moore will fall to us uh, and if you are in the chat of course we do have some people in the chat I'm seeing Devin Davis is actually uh, playing this one with us as well please don't take Elijah Moore <laughs> I'll ask but we could take Elijah Moore then and a couple of the rookies and I think that could flesh out the team pretty well where we then get flyers on rookies who have upside and then maybe like Chris Olave goes there or somebody like that yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what was it? When we were doing our first drafts. I was, we were trying to nail the exact rookie QB stacks with uh, mm -hmm. our other players. Uh, I don't know if uh, we're feeling those powers again, but I would say structurally um, I'm very, very uh, comfy with this kind of construction through five where you have two quarterbacks, bell cow running back, elite wide receiver, elite tight end. Um, I feel like uh, that's where I'm most comfortable being coming out of five rounds.
Also worth pointing out, because we did give the Football Outsiders plug earlier, the FO40 has been getting some updates, including the real-life projections or the real-life uh, ramifications board. That is the FO40, just ranking the prospects that are going to matter the most at football. But, of course, the FO40 fantasy board that's sponsored by our friends over at Underdog, where you can use the promo code SPLASH or the promo code FO40 to get a deposit match up to $100 on Underdog. So if you want to play in the Superflex game or any others and you haven't used Pete's promo code yet or some of the other people out there doing great work, do an Underdog drafts. So go use the promo code SPLASH at over at Underdog right now and get a $100 or up to a $100 deposit match for yourself. Um, the wide receivers on the FO40, Pete, actually have moved around a little bit. Garrett Wilson now, a number one fantasy receiver on the list. Drake London, number two. Jahan Dotson actually taking a pretty big jump wow. at number three. Yeah. I have not heard Dotson up that hard, uh, up that hard, up that <laughs> yeah. high anywhere. You must have Adams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I meant to, Jesus bags. Um, I meant to circle back to this because we were on the clock when it started, but yes, uh, just, to, to clear it up, uh, my buddy, our buddy brick 75, AK Brian Hooper, who I do lulls with every week. He, uh, has a, uh, a HUD that he is calling it here, which is, uh, a Chrome extension and he's going to have it for various sports books, DraftKings. Um, he's going to get it working for the underdog pick'em as well but right now it allows you to get a chrome extension right now i have a uh, etr's rankings leone's rankings because he's been updating these fairly regularly and uh what's going to be cool is you're there's going to be some customization with this like this is just what i chose to have as the two kind of columns of data to include but you could knock yourself out with whatever you want to put in there like i'm pretty excited to put maybe exposures what I already have of a guy, you know, once I start getting to draft a ton of BBM teams and uh, I know Brian's going to continue working on this. So we'll be sure to talk about it more on Lulz and uh, you can check out his site, brick75.com. If you're interested in getting that for, I, I think it's a small uh, monthly fee that you can get through PayPal. Yeah, I know Brick's doing a lot of interesting stuff with the overlays. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna run into some issues with the sports book ones sooner than later. So I'd say get your money while you can. Use those projections. That's people really Nana P has not made an appearance on the show in a while. I feel like she needed a little break, needed to hibernate like a bear for the winter. But uh springtime seems like Nana Pete time. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nana might come back with a vengeance here one of these days. But I, I do think that what Brick is doing is very interesting. And, and honestly, you know, I, I have some concerns. Like I think underdog, our guy, Andrew in the chat, uh, they're not going to do, you know, limiting something like this. I would think, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but I do think DraftKings Sportsbook, like some of the stuff he's doing this, you know, get, get in there now while the getting's good is what I would say. Cause it takes not a lot of work for them to block that. If they notice that they're getting hammered on props by a really sharp extension. So uh, check it out. Ryan Hooper, double underscore. If you want to go see what Brick's doing. All right. Receiver where are we Elijah Moore, we got him. Thank you. Draft room. What a kind draft room for once. I know normally they go out of their way to tilt us. Um, yeah. So feel good about getting him to get that double stack going. And then, yeah, I'm trying to see if anything else is really jumping out at me here. We should always probably check in on the quarterback stuff. I don't think we have to, I think we're probably looking at a running back or wide receiver. Uh, otherwise here, anyone jumping out to you. I mean, I still love uh, ETN. Uh, in this range, I definitely prefer him over Zeke and, and, uh, maybe not Jacobs. Maybe that's pretty close, but where are you leaning here? I mean, Michael Thomas, nobody wants to draft, but I think it's still interesting there too. I do like Josh Jacobs a lot. Like I, I we've talked about him, so I would go his way. Yeah. I'm fine. Uh, to do Josh Jacobs got to envision, uh, lots of touchdown opportunities coming in that offense, assuming that Devonte Adams and Darren Waller don't steal them all. 
So here's the thing people in the chat are talking a lot about Malik Willis. We've talked on this show a lot about Malik Willis, where I knew from our behind-the-scenes conversations that our FO guys were very big on him early on, thought that he would rise up the draft board. Now there's been a lot of uh, you know social media clips of him throwing 50-yard like bombs on the nose. Um, our guy Derek Clausen over at Football Outsiders actually did a tape breakdown of Malik Willis and showed kind of the highs and lows of him where he gets out of a lot of plays, but then uh, does sometimes have some tough reads that are, you know, like he can get out of with arm strength at the NFL level. Probably going to be tough. I love Malik Willis, Pete. I don't I know you're a little bit maybe uh dodgy on some of these rookie QBs coming in. I don't think you should draft Malik Willis right now because you just don't know where he's gonna go. It wouldn't shock me if the Lions sick him really high. It wouldn't shock me if we talked about like we talked about that he goes uh, to be the understudy to Marcus Mariota. But there's so much variability there, and I think a lot of the variability still leads to him not starting day one. And I think for a super flex, you need that QB to start day one. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, admittedly as deep into the uh, the quarterback prospect weeds right now. I think just from a macro perspective, um, I want to take shots on these rookie quarterbacks right now while they are cheap. Uh, I was checking in, I believe it was in the ship chasing discord. Our guy uh, Drico was, you know, pointing out how last year all the rookie quarterbacks got extremely expensive you know Trey Lance we were chasing him into the ninth I guess you could say Zach Wilson and Mac Jones their price stayed in check but once they get these landing spots and that uncertainty is removed they just naturally move up in draft position so I guess where I'm at right now um, because I don't have strong thoughts on the specific quarterbacks themselves is just sprinkling these guys in with a lean toward the cheapest of them if, you know if everyone prefers Malik Willis you know let them kind of go out of their way to get them but I think with this build here. Um, and we'll probably be looking at one at the eight, nine turn. I do think we should probably be taking, uh, our third quarterback. Okay. So, and I, and I guess for you strategy wise, is it three QBs that you're trying to get to, or is it like four and you're willing to take some really lower rung guys for that fourth one? Yeah. I mean, I think I'd still probably prefer to get to four just because, um, if we had two elite ones, you know, if you get the the Josh Allen or what was the combo that people got Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, I'm fine going with three there. Um, even maybe a Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan. I don't know. I think it I think it's fringy, um, but I probably am more comfy with four. OK, well, I mean, if it makes you more comfy, then <laughs> I'd love <laughs> to be more. Comfy. I think. So are you opposed to a Drew Lock stab given his sneakiness as a free agent pickup? Um, I wouldn't want to take, did Drew Locke just go? Where is Drew Locke? No, no, he's still there. He's the fourth. Oh, okay. Um, I I really, I would rather, uh, I would rather, um, like take honestly at this point, man, this is gross. Maybe we don't take a quarterback here. I think we can ride with it. What do you think about adding Michael Carter to kind of our jets position? Or Gabe Davis. Well, why not both? Okay, yeah, let's do both. I like that because, um, you know, Carter's kind of a thing you've taught me in some of these drafts. Like, he's a hedge on Wilson being bad some weeks. Like, I mean, he can also get there, too, as a pass catcher. But, like, if there are weeks that Carter just kind of salts the game away, I know Tevin Coleman is back in tow, but you got to think Carter sees more of that share. I feel like he does kind of cover our ass on the Wilson pick a little bit. Yeah, we and as Tommy points out, we could have grabbed Singletary as well if we wanted to do that. But yeah, I mean, there's the the nice thing about the Carter pick because we know he's shown a pass catching ability is you can get, you know, with some of those backs, um, 
you know, say like the Eli Mitchell, like say if you were stacking up Eli Mitchell with a Trey Lance Debo type build, like you're, you're getting a macro correlation. If that team takes a leap, they're scoring a shit ton of touchdowns, that team's rolling and there's just lots of points to be had. Then there's the individual like play in game correlations there where, you know, Eli Mitchell isn't going to be catching a lot of passes, presumably from Trey Lance, at least he didn't show it in year one. So that's what I like about Michael Carter, where we make a bet on the jets to take a leap, but we could also get Zach Wilson to Michael Carter check down touchdowns. Like that. We also get that kind of stack equity there too. So I, I prefer those pass catching backs and you could have made a case for it with Devin Singletary. I will say in general, the same reason I didn't want to draft Eli Mitchell, the same way I'm still a little hesitant on Singletary um, is because I do think there are bombs that are going to go off in some of these backfields. Um, in the NFL draft, I feel pretty confident that the Jets wouldn't use much draft capital on a running back after getting Michael Carter and re-signing Tevin Coleman. However, with the Bills, you know, they've had eyes um, for other running backs. I think they're a candidate to draft someone. And so I don't really want to be drafting Devin Singletary right now. I'd rather draft him post-NFL draft when I think he'll slide uh, when they inevitably pick up another running back. There goes Drew Locke. Yeah, and I, I think the, somebody was saying in the chat earlier that Brees Hall has been linked recently in some reports. Oh, there you go. Silas saying that too. Uh, the Bills possibly taking Brees Hall in round one. I don't know if they do that. Like Singletary to me showed enough down the stretch where I think they're more likely to take a second or third round running back in the hopes that you know one of these guys falls. Maybe an Isaiah Spiller, who I think has had some uh, negative feedback about him so far. But I think that makes more sense to me. Like I feel like Singletary's role is pretty solid. I just like Gabe Davis more because of what he showed upside-wise down the stretch where he was basically Stefan Diggs and was an absolute monster. Yeah, and I mean, to I've, I've heard those rumors too that Silas is referencing. I, I You would hope that from an organizational perspective, you'd look at the chiefs as a cautionary tale with this thought of, Oh, we're so close, you know, again, to ripping off a bunch of super bowl runs. Let's just grab a first round running back. That's the missing piece. And uh, as we saw with CEH, um, not only do you have to nail the draft evaluation that that player is actually good, but on top of it, can it make a meaningful difference to your team? And as the Chiefs learned with backfilling Jarek McKinnon into much success, it's just like, I can't imagine that being the best use of draft capital. That said, the Bills certainly, um, I don't think, are fully happy with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. I think they are continuing to look out for it. And so the extent is to how big of a bomb goes off in this backfield. You know, if it's a fifth, sixth round pick, Maybe it doesn't change too much. If they get a running back in the second round, I mean, that's going to materially change things. And Eric making a good point too, that the Bills front office, Brandon Bean in particular, probably too analytically inclined to get a go running back in the first round. I think that's a pretty fair one and that it's not great draft capital. And the Bills have shown the ability to kind of uh, push the chips in where they want to at the spots that are hard to replicate, like paying that big deal to Von Miller, uh, maybe moving on from some guys like Cole Beasley a little more easily. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be inclined to think that Brees Hall doesn't go there, but yeah. You know, and I also think too, like they were feeding Singletary 25 times a game down the stretch. Like he didn't win them anything in you know Kansas City, but still like was good enough there that I think they add somebody, but it's adds, adding somebody in the hopes that Singletary, you know, still gets there. Like, I don't think they're taking the job away from them. I just don't see that happening. Um, I'm glad that we waited on QB here. I, I mean, just looking at the run, the quarterbacks that went, I don't know if there's a huge tier gap to who's available here. I think we should grab probably one of these rookies here, Corral, Ritter, or Howell. I don't know if you have a preference. I like what I'm hearing about Ritter. He's a big armed guy. I think he's actually one of the higher ones on the FO 40. So if we want to do a rookie, I think I would go his way. 
I also like Garrett Wilson a lot here. Yeah, I think we should definitely take Garrett Wilson. I just realized how far uh, Ritter is down in both the yeah. ADP. So it's, again, one of those things. I mean, we're only at pick 120 right now, Corral coming up. So maybe we don't force the issue, although we could get a little squeezed out at QB3 if we don't if we do not do it here. But, man, it is tough to pass on some of these skill position players. Yeah, I mean, Chase Claypool, we could also get another rookie in Drake London and kind of take away well, at least at those two top receivers on the FO40. I like Drake London here. I'm intrigued by it. Yeah, I'm down. All right. Let's grab uh, let's grab London here. And I think we can get Ritter later. I, Ritter, though, I mean, he's number three in terms of QBs on our FO40 or FO Fantasy 40 board uh, behind Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. I, I certainly like Willis the most by a decent margin. Pickett, I've seen some positive tape breakdowns for people. Um, over the course of the last few weeks that seem like, you know, uh, this hand size thing is not great. I think it's hard to say that a guy having the smallest hands of the league is going to be a positive, but he does enough and he's probably the most likely to have high draft capital and actually play. Ritter, though, 6'4", 215, big dude, can run the ball. I feel like Ritter is, to me, the guy that, like, we drafted Sam Howell earlier on and GM Shorty stuff saying Ritter has a lot of physical tools. Ritter, to me, is the guy that, like, maybe he ends up kind of a Davis Mills spot where he's, you know, drafted a little bit lower by a team that just needs somebody, and he ends up getting the reps and actually being useful enough to keep playing. Yeah, and I think um, I just wanted to kind of survey what the draft room was doing with quarterbacks. Obviously, this NF42 <laughs> kind of put all of us in a rock and a hard place, ripping off four straight QBs, but, you know, just seeing the room here. So Hawkberg, uh, still has two QBs, uh, lemmings three Debo has three late. Um, our guy, uh, Joshua Frick has one, two, three Trev, one, two, three Welshier, one, two, three. I'm just trying to get a vibe here. Three. Most, most teams have three quarterbacks. Right now, um, looks like Davis 410 from the three hole. Um, it only has two so far, but um, yeah, I think we're playing a little bit of chicken, but if our thesis is there's a few of these rookie quarterbacks here that we're okay with, Corral, Ritter, Howell, um, and that most teams have already gotten to three quarterbacks, we're probably okay. Yeah, I think Ritter's going to come to us. I'm hopeful, and again, I'm saying that knowing that we often get trolled by just saying these things on the stream and then watching them immediately evaporate before our eyes. Um, but I also, you know, like, I feel good about our two QBs. Like, I like Zach Wilson taking the jump. He still was doing the stuff in college, or that he did in college that made him jump out to me, you know, throwing the deep ball, still trying to get the ball downfield after he had that, um, you know, kind of off for injury slash they kind of wanted him to uh, reevaluate how he was playing the game. I thought he looked better. Like, so I'm intrigued by Wilson, and I think, we might not even need this QB three functionally. And as people are pointing out too, we did get Drake London, who's rumored to be going to the jets. Potentially. I think they take one of those wide receivers early and we got the two best receivers, I think in the class. So I feel good about our, our, our draft overall. Yeah. And I mean, as Tommy points out, um, we, we could also make up for it with volume, like mm -hmm. really, you know, digging through the bottom of the barrel there. I mean, cause at that point too, um, you can, you can grab the handcuff, uh, quarterbacks as well. I don't, I don't think, you know, grabbing a Teddy Bridgewater type behind to, uh, I think, I think that stuff, um, is certainly in play and, and maybe with a lean toward, obviously we have two rookies, so we don't know where they're at yet. Um, and otherwise we've stacked our guys up, but you could break ties. Um, like if Jimmy Garoppolo was still here, uh, I would definitely say him on the off chance that he stays 
in San Francisco, and maybe I shouldn't even say off chance at this point, but then getting a third stack with Kittle. I feel like looking for little angles like that um, with your, say, third, fourth, fifth quarterbacks definitely makes sense. So here's a thought starter for you. Sam Darnold there. Uh, seems like he is fourth on that list at QB right now behind a bunch of rookies. Is it not... Is he not a little undervalued? And I know Sam Darnold was not great last year, but he did start well if, we, if we're forgetting that entirely and then he kind of fell off. Like, I don't know. I feel like Sam Darnold shouldn't be going after all the rookies. Yeah, I just think he has a real chance of, you know, being the backup there with with whoever they inevitably draft because I do think they're going to draft someone. Um, um, Chark or Spiller for me would be my thought. Yeah, I want to grab Spiller. Uh, I like that. Uh, a decent bit there and we didn't take Brees, so i feel like we're kind of making a bet that Brees is not the rookie everybody thinks he's going to be people in the chat i saw were saying that he's going to be going top 10 I, I mean maybe that's the case i'm not sure about that um but i think going going that way at running back with spiller it seems interesting to did me. you say chark i like chark i think chark yeah. is interesting. yeah i'm down with chark and um you know he's a lot of formats probably wouldn't consider him but uh it's better in best ball I would say uh, <laughs> I agree. And I honestly think like there is some talent here, like Tim Patrick, I feel like kind of sneaky as well, because he's going to probably have the upside weeks where you do see the higher drafted Cortland Sutton, the higher drafted Jerry Judy, you know, kind of falter a little bit. So I feel like to me, Tim Patrick would be one uh, we could have justified there over DJ Chark, even though uh, DJ Chark to me, I just like, I like the chance for him to get a redemption story in Detroit. And I also like that he threw urban Meyer fully under the bus after him being a complete shithead. I think that's a good approach by DJ Chark. Didn't everyone throw Urban Meyer under the bus? Yes. Was anyone caping for Urban Meyer after that? Well, the one girl who was grinding on him at the bar, I think, was the only one who fully protected the Urban Meyer narrative and said, "What did, uh, what did she say? I missed that quote." Oh no, does she just never sold them out? Like she didn't go to the media, she didn't do anything, <laughs> she just let it ride. I'm sure she knew, like she went private on Instagram and all of that, uh, but didn't didn't sully the good name of Urban Meyer that is no longer a good. Like, what is he doing now? What does he do with his career? He goes back to TV, right? Like they would still hire him. Um, I, yeah, he could probably get a TV job. Um, maybe he does one of these, uh, Hey God, this may, this reminds me cause I was thinking of these, uh, these Netflix trends and I was maybe urban Meyer could have a bad vegan or Tinder swindler esque, uh, profile. Have you guys watched bad vegan yet? I know you've been busy. I have not watched bad vegan yet. I've seen it pop up a lot as being interesting, but I feel like the, I got a little bit spoiled on the, you know, the criminal documentary thing. And I just haven't gotten in this most recent wave because uh, I was so in on them early. I was watching all of them. And I feel like now I'm just like, ah, I, I get it. People are bad. Um, bad vegan is worth watching. It's a four episode little mini series documentary probably could have been two to three. Um, they stretched it a bit, but it is even more maddening than the Tinder swindler. Did you watch Tinder swindler? I know the story, but yeah, I didn't actually okay. watch that one. Well, yeah. like with that, you're like, how did the girls fall for this? And mm -hmm. you're kind of just shaking your head. With this one, you just want to like shake this woman and be like, what? How did you fall for this? Um, but it, it it's worth watching. Partly too, because there's this random connection to the, the swindler in the bad vegan story being online buddies with Alec Baldwin and having 50,000 Twitter followers. And they like never even fully addressed it after dropping that at the top. And I'm like, tell us how the fuck he was friends with Alec Baldwin and had 50,000 Twitter followers. So if that doesn't hook you spags, I don't know what will. That's sure. If there's one thing that's going to hook me, it's social media <laughs> engagement as, as we know. So I might give it a shot. We're going to Friday night hangout. We don't have a show going right now. We've been watching like severance on Apple TV, which is fine. Is that good? It's a, it's interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's like, I feel like it's like a lot of the Apple TV shows where they're really well produced, amazing stars. And it's like, I don't know that this is really hooking me, but I'll keep watching it because it's here.
Yeah. Um, yeah. So the quarterbacks are definitely drying up here. I think we should, we should grab a quarterback, um, at this turn, either Howell or, uh, you might get your wish and Sam Darnold. Um, Look, I, I think Darnold's worth it. I think, especially if we are going to take flyers on, you know, whatever QBs are there at the end too. like Darnold is technically a starter right now. So do you want to do, you want to do Darnold over Howell? Yeah, let's do it. Um, all right. I'm fine with that. And then we should probably not let tight end get too far away from us either. Um, Gerald Everett, my guy, Gerald Everett. I'm just going to put him in the queue. Oh, let's we have Uzoma there too, though. Oh, you're right. Um, Maybe we could, maybe we could sit on that tight end and let the room decide for us. Um, and then we're looking at running back or wide receiver here. Hmm. Uncertainty with Landry and Jones. Your your boy McKissick is there, and I feel like you made a pretty interesting case for him earlier. Though you could make kind of a similar case for Kenneth Gainwell. But yeah, the only the only reason I'm against that case a little bit is just because I don't think we need that type of stuff you know what i'm just gonna grab should i just grab our tight end yeah do it i'm i know this is i know this is reaching but we didn't have enough time to uh to talk it out what i was gonna say about mckissick is i like that profile more in my zero rb rooms where i need that score at the beginning of the season like i need is nine to ten points whereas with our running back room you know we're hopefully going to be using Najee and jacobs every week um Carter will give us a high floor too. So I guess I, what I'm trying to say is I'd rather take bigger cracks at running back for our remaining running back picks. Um, whereas we kind of know what we're going to get with McKissick. Now, I always love hearing your thought process on that. And I think that makes sense. And, you know, even the way you were counting the QBs earlier, like these are the little wrinkles that if you are playing an underdog for the first time and you're using that, that splash promo code that we have over there to get yourself double your deposit up to $100, like watch what Pete does on these shows, like just running kind of a board and looking at things, obviously using a brick overlay, uh, certainly not going to hurt with Leone's ETR projections, but there's a lot of ways to skid the cat here. And I think fundamentally, like is what you do intuitively, hopefully some people actually learn some stuff from this because it's gonna be a lot of best ball drafts going on on this show and just overall an underdog um, all summer long, pretty much. Yeah, and I, I should say that's nice of you to say, but I, I do feel still flying pretty blind in these super flex ones. I'm still uh, very much figuring it out. Uh, obviously, there's principles that you can apply from general best ball strategy, but these these super flex drafts are, you know, it's the Wild West. We're on the, the bleeding edge of uh, creating the data that will then be analyzed last year to tell us about win rates and stuff. But you did mention um, a bunch of best ball drafts flying. I should... Uh, also point out in the Deposit Kingdom Discord, uh, per the request of uh, Phil Burnzone, I created uh, a best ball role tag. And basically, if you go into the roles channel that's at the top of the Discord, you can react with an emoji and you'll get that role. And then when people are looking to fill a best ball draft, um, they can tag that role similar to your good shit spags role and kind of be alerted that people are trying to get a draft up and running. So if you're in the deposit kingdom discord, which I highly recommend, and you are a best baller, grab that role. And, uh, I already woke up this morning to, uh, multiple notifications that people were trying to fill super flex drafts last night. That's fun. I mean, honestly too, for the people out there, like 
this is like I know people are online a lot, but like this is a way to make friends too and do stuff. Like the Pete's community is very much a community that I, I love seeing the names here. We see a lot of the same people in our chat as well on here. Well, like these guys are all caring about the same stuff and gals are caring about the same stuff you do. If you are watching this show and, and watching a live best ball draft in March, like you are fully in the audience here that should be in Pete's Deposit Kingdom and checking that out. And just, you know, learning from some people too as well. Like a lot of the guys in Pete's Deposit Kingdom have been doing this well. Um, I know you mentioned Drico earlier, Liam, like guys are there. We actually have one gigantic sums of money doing this too. So learn something, play, have some fun. Like best ball to me, one of the best things we've done with the show, I think, to kind of evolve a little bit more and, and put into practice a lot of the stuff that we're talking about all year long yeah we're gonna have uh it'll be funny to look back at the start of the season and see how many how many drafts we have under our belt i thought i was pushing it to the max last year and i don't even think it will hold a candle to this year uh when the dust settles just because we're drafting uh earlier and often uh way more than even last year uh sprung mc in the chat saying i need to research where to get a water barrel like spags it is in fact a takaya t-e-k-e-y-a i am not an influencer i in fact bought this for my partner alex she loved it and i got it for myself because i honestly don't drink enough water when i use a 20 ounce bottle i need to go to a 40 so uh three of these a day you're good to go you'll keep your skin looking youthful and fresh like this uh, uh who would have guessed i'm a dad um <laughs> Do we just want to run it back with the uh, the old man stack or the dusty sack, Robbie. Sam Darnold, to splash play Bob? <laughs> Why not? I feel like it's a splash play draft. Why not give Robbie Anderson one more chance? Up? He will probably drop like he does all of his catches. Um, I'm down with that. And then, I mean, do we want to play the rumors? Do we want to play the Ronald Jones to KC? I mean, that's pretty damn interesting if it's true. It is interesting. People's Jones interests me a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like people's Jones too. I just think he, the days where you don't see Amari Cooper having an eight catch, you know, 80 to hundred yard day, you're going to see people's Jones really, I think benefit from that. Like he is the one guy who remains and, and Deshaun Watson, I think will not be afraid to throw it to him deep. Um, he could definitely get cucked pretty hard if Will Fuller, um, <laughs> goes to Cleveland, which I know is rumored, uh, but probably a pretty good risk reward proposition at this price. Will you help translate this comment for me, Spags? Because I don't know what Jay Brooks means when he says I am his Jared Leto. You're his 30 seconds to Mars. You're his punk rock joker. You're his uh, heroin addict and Requiem for a Dream. There's a lot of ways it could go, but he's been saying, he's been calling us like hardcore, like making jokes about being hardcore or something. I don't know what's going on with Jay Brooks. He's working a bit. I don't know what the angle is though. Yeah, you know, like all good bits, it takes a little massaging. You got to find your voice. And Jay Brooks, we just want you to let you know that uh, the chat here is your sandbox. Feel free to work it out. Maybe he's your Margot Robbie in Suicide Squad and you're his Jared Leto. Okay. <laughs> I have not seen Suicide Squad, so I don't get that reference. My main Margot Robbie reference is uh, Wolf of Wall Street. So hopefully not. I'm not that version. <laughs> well, Margot Robbie Margot. is uh, Harley Quinn in those movies. So she's like the, uh, okay. the edgy, like, you know, uh, Joker's girlfriend in that one. But yeah, she's very much in love with him. So I feel like that would be it. If that's, if that's where Jay Brooks is going, we just don't know where that delicate genius mind of Jay Brooks is. Yeah. Is right <laughs> there is a wide range of outcomes for this comp here. 30 Seconds of Mars had some bangers, by the way. I don't know if anybody... <laughs> Everybody wants to agree with that on this show, but um, his like screamo hits. I feel like 30 seconds tomorrow, Jared Leto was crushing. Yeah, there you go. Spank you. You said my name. Anything for you. You did it. What what a moment. What a <laughs> um, Sammy Telesco coming in hot. I'm in 26 drafts so far for Superflex and a bunch of rookies and sophomores and the original big board that is full, plus a bunch of three and five dollar leagues. Let's go, Buffalo. Buffalo war picks. I mean, that was a, it was a nice ad. Everyone let us know your total best ball portfolio uh, to this point in the chat, like Sammy. 
I look, uh, I, I respect it. Buffalo's going to be good, man. Like, it's not like you can deny that. So more power to him if he's, it, this is the one case where you could be a homer and draft Buffalo stacks because uh, Pete and I, I feel like we're not biased at all. And here we are drafting Buffalo heavy early on. Yeah, I want, I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't have any uh, team biases. Do no, you? I mean, I am, uh, I, I'm ethnically a Cowboys fan. I've been doing that for a while. Uh, but no, that is, uh, I don't identify as a Cowboys fan anymore. I, I, I kind of root for them from afar, certainly through the prism of, uh, living with an Eagles fan as well and being here in Philly now. Uh, but no, I, I don't really root for team. I root for me not losing money is generally my main interest every week. I'm still bracing myself though, as you become more and more of a Philadelphian, um, where you start to kind of leak in. Yeah. I was just driving to the grocery store. I heard a, a rumor that Jalen Rager is going to see an uptick in targets, uh, on morning radio. I'm just waiting for that localized, uh, bias to come in because I get asked about boots on the ground. New England takes, you know, I'm only a mere 40 minutes away from Foxborough. Think of all the things I know. I'm sure if I were to like, you know, when Luke is in daycare and I have to socialize with other parents and stuff, I'm sure I'll hear some of that. I don't listen to local radio. Usually when driving, I'm usually a podcast guy. So I'm firmly national media only. Like I like local media. I watch Sixers games. I guess would be the only thing um, on NBC Sports Philadelphia here. But besides that, like I don't need local takes like local takes. No offense to local broadcasters out there. Like I've worked with Aton before at Osmo, who's one of the local Philly personalities on radio here as well. And like they do a great job, but ultimately like it's a local take for a reason. Like it's like designed to be for the fans. It's meant to be angry at the local stuff or to be like really overwhelmingly bullish in it in a way that like national media for the most part for as ill-advised and ill-informed as a lot of national media can be, at least, you know, they're coming from an earnest place. Uh, Eric here said, hold my beard as Sammy. He's been putting in work, 25 super flex, 44 sophomore juniors, 34 early big board drafts, uh, or 34 early and 93 pre-draft. Um, goodness. Yeah. These guys are getting after it. I need to, if I'm going to, you know, hold on to my best ball thought leader status, I need to crank up my volume here. Also, some funny chats going on. I like when they when you guys do a comedy pyramid for us, and it, it brings me joy. Sprung MC saying the Watson quote earlier. It was weird because I was moving to Cleveland anyway. I've dreamed about living there since I was a kid. FF Doom says LMAO, so we know for a fact Watson is a liar. <laughs> As if we didn't know already from the other things in his life. Um, we are back on the clock here. Han Dotson, one more rookie. Um, I mean, you met like you mentioned that uh, he's pretty high up on that FO board. I'm I'm cool with it. I don't know a ton about him otherwise. Oh, and we got Barrios there too. Let's see. Oh, uh, yeah, might as well. I mean, we're right. we're going all in on the Jets. I don't know if that's something we want to be doing. Uh, definitely no quarterbacks worth taking here. Um, sure, we can do Barrios. Stack them up. I look, I think this, I think that we got a really nice stack here. If the jets are somehow competitive, I think new England also regresses like new England has done nothing in free agency. Mac Jones is going to be a little bit better, but like they didn't add a single wide receiver. Uh, I don't really feel good about any of that. And Josh, our, our poor boy, Josh Frick, uh, mad that we stole Dotson from him. Sorry. Is, is Dotson the new Julio Jones? That's the question we have to ask for our pal, Josh. Yeah. We're going to find out just how faithful Joshua Frick is to his boy, Julio. It's been tough times for the Julio stands of late. Uh, Derek, my God. I mean, this is how you stick it to Malden. 145 big boards, 18 rookie sophomores, 66 sophomore juniors, 60 backyard, 32 super flex. I feel like it's like when people, what's your body count, dude? Well, 145 big boards. <laughs> 
I've been hammering him. You know, no big deal. Go out to the bar, come home, have a few big board drafts for myself. Whatever, man. It's you know, sometimes you can't be too picky at the end of the night. I don't know if there's a douchier turn of phrase than body count. Like, how did that even become a saying? My God. It's just like, oh, how do we make sex sound tougher? <laughs> body count. <laughs> how do we make it sound like an 80s Chuck Norris film? Body yeah. count. How much are you throwing up on the bench these days? And while you're at it, tell me your body count. <laughs> um, I do think we're going to have to draft a running back with our last okay. pick. Um, um, all right. So who can we hedge against here? We could hedge against the McCaffrey thing and take Foreman if he's still there. Well, um, yes, I don't, I don't mind that if we want to just keep doing this, this macro team correlation stuff. Uh, I also am pretty intrigued by, Eno you know, Benjamin. Um, yeah. I think with Edmonds out, um, he, I think is the most likely handcuff to, to James Conner in that offense. Of course they could draft someone, but, um, we also, you know, Benjamin was one of those guys they drafted in previous years and then took forever for him to kind of carve out a role. So I'm maybe less scared, um, with an incoming rookie unless they invest, you know, serious capital in it. But yeah, you know, a guy I like, I think, well, they took the choice away of Deonta Foreman there. So I feel like, you know, Benjamin's cool by me. I don't mind Mo Ali Cox either. We know that uh, Matt Ryan's been a fan of the tight end. So that's certainly an okay move. Um, Jamal Williams uh, should be a running back. Duke Johnson may be interesting to hedge against the fact that we didn't take Singletary. Um, yeah, I don't hate it. Like if we I, don't I get, you know, I would say, you know, first, but if we don't get him. So like trying to think through that thing I was saying too, where, I mean, I know I, uh, my, one of my sneaky plays with white, I guess though, with a room with only four running backs, it's not like, I think we could still use some pass catching um floor in a pick so I, I i don't mind that at all um for those of you guys asking me to critic criticize drafts roast drafts i mean outside of nf42 ripping off four straight quarterbacks i am uh i'm not in a position to tell you guys that you're wrong yet <laughs> like i said i've only did two of these live drafts yet i don't have an incredible feel for things so you guys are probably better off roasting each other at this point but trust me i will get there and when i do i will let you know how shitty of a drafter you are and also we drafted a, a full jet stack. <laughs> so I don't know that we're the moral <laughs> higher ground anyway. And we took CJ Ozoma like 30 picks ahead of ADP because we didn't talk it out soon enough. So, well, and also the K Adams bump, I thought was yeah. pretty important to note. Yeah. Josh, we want roast. Um, here's a roast. Find a better player to like and love than Julio Jones. <laughs> Ooh. <sick burn. laughs> All right. What are we going to take him for the last one here? Um, I'm okay with James uh, White. I would take Duke Johnson too again because we just passed on Singletary at that point. Sure, you want to you want to do some Duke? I think Duke? I'd prefer James White. Then take James uh, White. Go that way. Yeah. I mean, I need the the perfect book and you know putting my money where my mouth is after saying he's one of the sneakiest uh, signings here. And when Duke Johnson runs for 1,500 yards next year and he's as good as he was in Miami or even better because of Josh Allen, will rue the day that that cost us fifty thousand dollars in this draft mega step there we go those are they are mega sticks <laughs> i you know what i i was uh i was blocked uh by the uh the writing there all right so that um, was fun there uh let's yeah uh, we could, yeah go what you want uh no um oh look at 
Look at Joshua uh, <laughs> clapping back. Get, it's going to be the toughest of scenes for you guys when uh, Visca sides with the Chiefs. You guys are going to be I would shambles. say, too, like, for you, Pete, like, if you were to make this bet, who has more receiving yards from now forward, LaVisca Chenault or Julio Jones? Visca's got to be, like, minus 1,000. I was going to say I would bet the max on that. Yeah, I think so fully. Um, either we're going to do some drafts. We're going to continue to do these drafts every Friday on the show, maybe even Mondays if we don't have enough to talk about. But we will be back Monday at 2.30. Again, make sure you are subscribed to Peach Channel as well as the Splash Play channel because we're going to think about how to you know enhance that process for both channels coming up in the weeks and months in the offseason here. And also make sure you're following at Peter Rovers, at following at Chris Fags, and following at Splash Play Pods. You can find the latest news. If you want to play on the draft like we just did on Underdog, we use that promo code SPLASH as well. $100 deposit match or up to. $100 deposit match on there. So double your deposit over on our dog and play some of these drafts because as you can see, people putting up a lot of numbers, a lot of body counts, some could say on underdog. You could do that too by get, doubling your deposit bonus and playing on a super flex of 50K up top in that best ball format. Pete, any words here for you? Any shows coming up that you want to talk about? Uh, no, no shows. Uh, gonna enjoy uh, the weekend here. I'll just put another plug to hop in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. We got the Splash Play channel. We got a good best ball channel. Um, lots of good conversation, draft board sharing going on. So if you're looking to continue the conversation here, uh, I highly recommend hopping in there. And if you want to see my snarky dad content, follow me on Instagram at Chris Bags too, because I do post some stories there. I'm trying really hard to not oversaturate because I, I don't want to be that person, but I am going to post some sporadically just because I can't resist it. I am a, a sucker of a father per always here. We'll be back Monday at 2.30. So come join us then. Enjoy your weekends, guys. We'll see you soon. 